Yes. Yeah. Death is waiting for everybody. Death is the great equalizer. What's up, everybody? And welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Jesus tells a story about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. They both die, and Lazarus was taken up to Abraham, and the rich man was sent to be tormented in Hades. He begs for mercy, but Abraham informs him there is a great chasm between them that cannot be crossed. The rich man then begs Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers, but Abraham replies, they have Moses and the prophets. There's a lot to unpack in this week's text. Adam Curie and I ask Nick Hopman, why did Lazarus go to Abraham? What did Lazarus do that was righteous? Why can't you cross the chasm? And how the heck should you preach a text like this? Let's get to it. Here's Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Nick Hopman with us this week. Thanks for being here, Nick. Great to be here again. We're in uh, Luke 17, uh, Nick, and we have this wonderful parable uh, regarding the poor man, Lazarus, this great chasm, uh, and Abraham. 
Uh, and it starts off uh, in such a way that's a nice way. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. Mm. Got to feast sumptuously, otherwise, how you living? We got to stop recording this around dinner time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's pizza if you want some. <laughs> <laughs> We're not feasting sumptuously over here. <laughs> So, and then at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus. So we are, we have uh, two characters. What, I mean, I mean, how do we uh, hear this at the start? I guess. It's very abrupt. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, setting up for the action that's going to come later. The, uh, you know, literary critics would say, <laughs> um, but we're getting a very, very clear contrast here, I think is what you say about at the beginning. And um, they're both, they're in the same place. Uh, the rich man, of course, like all of our rulers in America, lives inside a gated community that uh, <laughs> keeps the poor out. So we know that's going on. So um, let's see how this develops. <laughs> Great, thanks. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, so and at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come uh, lick his swords, sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. So uh, uh, already what was a man who was at the bottom rungs, uh, uh, had Like he didn't even nothing. get to be satisfied uh, with what fell from the rich man's tables. He, he longed to be satisfied by that. Uh, he didn't yeah, even get that. He didn't even get the garbage. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, he didn't get the garbage, and um, you know he's got swords, which we think of as gross, but it's all these parables are a Jew telling it to Jews, and so this means unclean. You know, he's mm-hmm. on top of everything else; he's he's unclean. And then right after that, it also says the rich man also died and was buried. Hmm. So you see these two people living a completely different life. And in the end, the same thing happens to both of them. Yes. Yeah. Death is waiting for everybody. Death is the great equalizer. Um, but of course, the key thing we kind of glossed over was that the poor man goes to be with Abraham. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, I think Adam mentioned this the last time I was recording one of these uh, podcasts. Uh, what was Abraham's socioeconomic status? Ooh, Adam, what was it? He was rich. He was a rich guy. He had, <laughs> he had lots of animals. He, oh, yeah. was, uh, yeah. he probably had all kinds of different kinds of milk he could oh, drink. coming back day. to me now. Sumptuously <laughs> drink his milk. Yeah. Uh, so Abraham is kind of shocking that the poor man goes to be with him. So what the heck is going on here? Well, uh, let's translate the word Abraham. Chosen. Yep. Elected. This is what Abraham always means. And so here um, we're going to see that this is not quite the simple moral story of the poor and the rich. Um, At the same time, we don't want to just sort of toss those terms away or ignore them because there is a great reversal taking place here. So this is another form of Jesus saying um, the first will be last and the last will be first. That's certainly what's happening here. Um, but their eternal destinies are not ultimately going to be determined uh, either by their status in the old life or um, what they did or didn't do in the old life. Now, the rich man, uh, he apparently couldn't even share his crumbs with Lazarus. Uh, 
So it seems like he's getting what he deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what did Lazarus do? Did Lazarus do anything righteously? I mean, context clues means that he was elected. There you go. I was going to dwell in what he wasn't doing a little bit longer, but you've gotten right to the point Come on, there. Mason, yeah. you ruined it. Play along. Uh, I mean, but that's, that's a good point to say, to say, Nick, that he wasn't. As as far as everything we know, is he was. He's not the model to like well, live your life by, right? Yeah, he's useless, or he's. You're getting close there. I was going to use the word bum. Bum, yeah. This used to be the uh, prime insult in baseball. If somebody was useless in baseball, you were a bum. Hmm. Uh, Lazarus (laughs) is... That's why they call me that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Lazarus is a bum. Yeah. Now, you might think we're being silly or funny, you know, pointing out that being a bum is not righteousness. But for thousands of years in many parts of the church, the way these things always get interpreted is Jesus must be teaching us a new form of law that goes against the old one. The old one thought that people who were rich were being blessed by God, they Mm -hmm. were the righteous ones, Um, but Jesus comes and teaches us that there's another ethic. Mm -hmm. And so what you do then, you actually try to become poor. And this was thought of as holiness in the church for a long time, Mm -hmm. until, of course, the Reformation comes along. And one of the first things that the Reformers do is they outlaw begging. They outlaw bumming in town. Because this is not the way to please God. Lazarus is in this state, and as Mason told us, God elects him, just like he elected the rich guy named Abraham. Um, so, so that happens, but Lazarus certainly isn't doing anything to earn it, and nor is this uh, some sort of status we can achieve through works of the law, mm-hmm. uh, making ourselves poor, which then automatically forces God to elect us. That's, because again, Abraham was rich. Abraham it's, was rich, uh, yeah, so, so, so that's, this, he's so, a good... Yeah, it's not a function of... of what you do, or either way. your station in life as if that right. was the final. Sure, yeah. exactly. So you're in luck, Adam, even though you're a bum. Well, <laughs> not anymore. Yay, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so real quick question, because it's going to start getting a little confusing for people like me. Um, w- can you, as we move forward, can you make sure to point out when it says he who it's talking about, because I feel like when, as we were reading this before we started recording, it just kept saying, he said this, then he said that. And it was getting very confusing because in the next portion, it starts saying in Hades where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He -hmm. called out father, Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the, the he there is um, the rich man, which this gets confusing in part because he has no name. Mm-hmm. Um, but the he there is the rich man is calling out to Abraham, asking Abraham to send Lazarus to have mercy on him. Um, he apparently didn't care much about Lazarus laying at his gate, suffering greatly. Um, but now the tables have turned and all of a sudden he's quite interested in mercy. Mm-hmm. Real quick, is this a like, is this a parable that's being told? Is this an actual event that's being told? It just seems a little, especially for us um, Americans living in this day and time, it just seems hard to imagine that this actually happened. 
part of me, I'm like literally placing myself in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> the final, the final movie <laughs> right there where Gollum is dying. And I'm like trying to get out of that, but it's hard to, because I can't picture this happening in reality. Yeah, I, so I don't know that you'd want to use the word parable. I mean, okay. Jesus just goes right into this and uh, tells the story. So it's it's meant to teach us something. Um, okay. But uh, it's not like many of the parables where he sets up where you might do some kind of equivalency between the fictional characters and reality. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's just yeah. presenting this. Yeah. So as Carrie said, um, he, uh, the rich man sees Lazarus far away. He calls out to Father Abraham, Abraham, have mercy on me. So he's desiring for his torment to end, for I am in agony in these flames. Uh, and then we hear Abraham say in the next verse, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Uh, besides all this, between you is a great chasm which has been fixed, uh, which leads to the question, what's this great chasm and what's Abraham talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, if we're going to follow through with the Abraham piece, then the great chasm is election itself. Sure. There, there's no way around it. There's no way through it. You either are elected or you're not. Um, the other thing that this story is playing with is time. And so often I've heard people say, well, you know, it's, it's too late for the rich man, but there's still time for you. Now, time, mm. there's still time left means two different things according to the law and the gospel. Yeah, say more. According yeah. to the law, it means I'm still breathing, so I've still got a chance to find the guy at my gate and give him some food, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. maybe I can somehow avoid the judgment that mm-hmm. happens to the rich man. Mm-hmm. Or the time according to election means, which is also true, there is still time for the proclamation of the good news. There's still time to be elected. There's still Mm -hmm. time for the gospel to do the electing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so what has happened here is that now they're on the other side of the election, and um, Christ himself is not there to somehow bridge the chasm. It's it's too too late for him to hear the good news, and then in comes, of course, the brothers. Yeah, were, and I mean it's a pretty. Uh, we we talked before about the text. How I I thought this text is very scary to some, um, because we hear so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can tr- can cross from there to us, uh, which is a sort of terrible thing to hear if you mm-hmm. are trying to make this journey for yourself or if you're if you're looking at this as a prescription yeah i mean it's it's debility i know it's just i think it's a terrible thing to hear uh yeah certainly i mean but remember it's told to the living Mm -hmm. it's uh not told to people who are already in the position where the rich man finds himself at this point Mm -hmm. and therefore we have to say it's universal because none of us can cross the chasm Mm -hmm. that's 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 the whole point of election is that you can't do it. It's like Luther's beginning of the third article of Creed. I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength come to Jesus Christ, my Lord, or believe in him, but the Holy Spirit has called me. Um, so um, it's, it's, it's bad news for the rich man. It's scary for us all to hear. Mm-hmm. And yet none of us are able to fix that chasm. Only Christ himself can take us from one side to the other. 
So how does, uh, I'm, I'm still thinking about something you, you said a little bit earlier and in, in that there's still time to preach the gospel so that way the Holy Spirit can work. How does that work when the Holy Spirit like has already been predetermined? Like you, you don't have necessarily free will to go and preach the gospel, but it's already been predetermined. You mean you mean God is going to get the spirit where he's going to get the spirit? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, but he's still going to he's still going to use instruments for it. He's uh still going to remind preachers, give us encouragement that there actually is something that we're doing and that this is the way he does it. He has instruments. And um so his word is is not going to be in vain. Um Maybe we'll see a little more of that as we get into the brothers mm-hmm. at the end of the story and how that works. Yeah, okay. Um, one question I have, as we continue through this, it talks about Abraham and Abraham. How, and maybe you'll get there at the end, but how does that loop back into Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? Because right now we haven't heard a thing about Christ. So how is the, and again, maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves, so I'm sorry, No, no I th- but I th- how does this get back to Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins? Excellent, excellent question. And what happens here is, you know, the rich man wants Abraham to send people uh, to his brothers so that they'll repent while they still have time. That's the, the rich man's word is repent, metanoia, um, like in the 95 Theses. But um, they have a discussion about Moses and the prophets. Now, that can certainly be taken uh, literally. Uh, a synonym would be the law and the prophets. Uh, the prophets are filled with people inveighing against the rich who abuse the poor, and the law, of course, is the law. Moses is a synonym for law, Moses and the prophets. So it's, it's very easy to take the end of this legally, and think that Abraham is kind of giving in to the rich man's uh, desire, and he's, he's saying, yes, uh, the whole key to this whole thing is repentance, you know, maybe feeding the guy outside your gate, and mm-hmm. that's how they can be saved. Um, but you have to remember these terms, law and the prophets, Moses and the prophets, these are, this is Jewish shorthand for the Bible. Okay. And uh, so I think... In the story, Abraham and the rich man are actually fighting for these terms, because what is in Moses? The promise to Abraham. In the book of Genesis is when God elects Abraham, and that's how Abraham's up there uh, in heaven, paradise, the good part of Hades, however we want to define that, uh, to receive this poor man into joy in the resurrection. And so Abraham's point is that it's not a matter of where this word's coming from, how spectacular the circumstances is. If someone rises from the dead and then tells the good news to the five brothers, the word is there, and it's always going to be met either with faith or unbelief, and saying, well, could you give that to me in a little bit different of a way? How about some fireworks next time? And then the time after that, Mm -hmm. how about you send a guy who's risen from the dead to tell me this so I don't have to hear it from some lowly pastor uh, (laughs) who happens to uh, earn a salary at my church or whatever the case might be. Um, So yes, very much so, the promise of Christ 
is in Moses, he's in the prophets, he's in Isaiah. And then, of course, you always have to remember who's telling the parable in the first place, Christ himself. And so it is, of course, thick with irony when they start <laughs> discussing whether or not someone's going to come back from the dead and talk about this. Ain't it fun? <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, obviously, if obviously. if someone rises from the dead, I would be pretty pretty shocked. And if they were telling me this is what Hades is like, I, I feel like I would perk up. So when, when that lands on my ears, I'm, I'm v- visually placing myself there and thinking that it would land on me. So it's hearing you say that Moses and the prophets are this miraculous promise that it is the Bible to the Jews in this story, that that isn't miraculous enough, that that should be miraculous, uh, more miraculous than a person rising from the dead in in, in delivering the same news. One thing I struggle with is in verse 29, where it says, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. So I know it's all about what we talked about before about election, but right here when he says the should, that makes it seem like they have a choice. Hmm. And they have a choice in whether they go to heaven or not. And that's something that we talk about with Luther House, where it's not our choice, it's Christ. It's the baptism. It is the, in fact, election. So can you go into that a little bit and maybe give a little bit of clarity? No, yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, should is a command, But remember, faith is commanded. That's what the first commandment is. The first commandment tells us you should have faith. But then the imperative does not imply ability. Mm. This is Luther's big argument with Erasmus. Erasmus says, look at all these commands around here. It must be up to me. And Mm -hmm. Luther says, no, just because something is commanded doesn't mean you have the power to do it. So the brothers should listen to the promises. Um, according to the their dead brother, apparently they're not listening to the promises, but they should. <clears throat> that doesn't mean they have the ability to uh, repent. That is, that is given by the promise itself. But what Abraham is saying to the rich man is the promise is right there. The promise can get them there just as much as it could get them from whatever sort of miracle you want to accompany the promise. I have so many questions for you, Nick. I just don't want to take up this whole thing. (laughs) Uh, And I also don't want to put you on the stand because you're new and I don't want you to like experience the full Kiri crazy yet. Um, Okay, fine. I'll ask you one. Um, Okay, so... Chris and Sarah have, now I'm comparing, so I apologize, but a command has never, they've never made it seem like you have a choice in a command. And from what you, from what you just said, it makes it seem like we can choose a command, but a command is there as a command. Do this. They did this. You should listen. Yeah. And so... I don't know. I'm just, I'm struggling with that a little bit. They should listen, but yep. they don't have the ability to. Okay. Both things are true at the and same time. And it's not because of them. It's because Christ 
made it they he closed their ears. They're not able to hear. They 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 are guilty of the sin of not having faith, and there's nothing they can do to change that. Okay. And at so times, they are passive here. Yeah, and at times yeah. God does actively close ears to what is being said. This might very well be a case of it. It's a fictional story, and we don't get too specific. Okay. But yes, perhaps. The promises in the Pentateuch and the prophets have come to the rich man and his brother, and instead of making faith, they've closed their ears. Okay. So, I mean, as a, as a pastor, when you're you end, you have a your lecturing text here where it ends with, and neither will they be convinced if someone rises from the dead, and. <laughs> how the heck Hallelujah. Do you, how, how do you how do you preach this so that way you, the promise actually is delivered instead of, Rather than of going it to close ending yours. in you should do this but you can't. Yeah. Yes, well, I mean your your license to actually give out the promise. So I would probably go back to Abraham's calling in the books of Moses or something along those lines and and talk about the promise of Christ and say that now he is here. Um one, one interesting note here in the Greek, um, the rich man talks about repentance, uh, metanoia. Um, Abraham does not use that word. He uses another word, um, which means persuade, convince. Um, it appears in another place in the Gospel of Luke in which uh, someone has confidence in their works, another word related to this word family here. And so... Um, this word goes much better with faith. I mean, faith is a form of repentance as well. We can parse that out. Um, but it seems like the rich man is saying, oh, this has to be them repenting. And mm-hmm. Abraham is saying, if they would listen to the promises and Moses and the prophets, they would be convinced, they'd be persuaded, they would come to faith. Um, so that that might be helpful as well. Um, but no, I mean, so often in these parables or stories that Jesus is telling, they're invitations to preach the gospel. You're not going to find it in there. I mean, you, you talk about Jesus hiding things in the parables. We said, you know, this isn't quite technically a parable, but he, there's a whole bunch of stuff being hidden here. Um, Unless you think that Lazarus is justified by bumming alone, <laughs> then, then we're not getting the whole story of yes. how it is that he comes to dwell in Abraham's bosom. Something else is is happening there, and it's certainly not all in the story. Um, so the office of preaching is about uh, taking Scripture and applying it to the people in the present, and... Um, that means you're using many of these stories kind of as a as a backboard, as a as a base, as a starting point um, for telling the story of Christ, and then you go in and you pick and choose how how that helps you do so. Yeah, whether that's Lazarus, whether that's Moses and the prophets, whether that's Abraham, all of it is just throwing the alley oop to for you to actually <laughs> deliver the forgiveness of sins. Exactly. I like the chasm. I would go there. Mm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. 
thank you to Nick Hopman for helping us break down all of the hidden things in this story, including the dichotomy between rich and poor, that Lazarus went to Abraham when he died despite Abraham being a rich man, that Lazarus didn't do anything to be righteous, that the chasm is your election, and that election is out of your hands. But most importantly, Nick said this text invites you to preach the gospel. Yes, there are many themes to teach and explore, but the core of this story is that God so loved you that he sent his son to die and pay for your sins. In Jesus' resurrection, you have the promise of eternal life. That's the invitation in this text. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, your debts are forgiven. We'll see you next time on Scripture First. Scripture First.